I took a leap of faith coming here. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I think I'm qualified enough to be here. But at the same time, you never know, right? Like ESPN's ESPN. And so um, coming down here, it was a leap of faith and just believing in yourself. And yes, there is imposter syndrome. But like at the same time, um, I think if you know you put in the work, uh, you can put yourself in a position where you are allowed to grow. And usually if you're putting yourself in a situation where there's good people around you, you're going to be able to grow. Welcome to Candid Insights. I'm your host, Sahel Badruddin. And today we have with us Nabil Kareem, an ESPN sports anchor and a previous reporter on Canada's leading sports network, TSN. Nabil, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thanks for having me. I want to start by talking about your story. When did you know sports broadcasting is what you wanted to pursue? I'd probably go back to like my high school days where I kind of had a thought that uh, that's something I wanted to do. Um, you know, I felt like it would be a really cool job. There was a guy named Don Taylor who used to uh, be a broadcaster in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, where I grew up in Canada. And uh, he always looked like he was having so much fun. And sports was a huge passion of mine growing up. And um, I was kind of like, I want to do what that guy does. And I thought about it. And this was around like grade 10. I kind of started doing more speaking in school. Um, you know, I started writing for like the school newsletter at that time. We never paid for a newsletter. But just started doing things that were uh, more in like the public eye, I guess, as far as high school is concerned. And, and then it's when it kind of got to grade 12 and you had to decide where, you know, what you want to do and what school you want to go to. And I looked into it a little bit, honestly, I, I didn't look into it enough at that time. And I kind of shied away and it, it was a big mistake. You know, I, I wish I had looked into it more at the time things have worked out, but um, mm. at the same time, you know, it, it was, I took the easy route at that point and just said, ah, it's too difficult because you looked around at that time there weren't many minorities on TV. Not many people look like me on TV, especially in sports. Um, and right. it, it was hard because the, the community we grew up in, I mean, there's a lot of people who are dentists, who are doctors, who are lawyers, work a trade, you know, all these sorts of things, finance. And we're really good at that. And that's kind of what we know. And um, broadcasting was not one of those things. So even just have that conversation with my parents was um, – one that I didn't have because I knew it was going to be awkward and I knew it was going to be a difficult one. And, and it was on me though. I mean, looking back and it was on me. I didn't do the work. I didn't, um, I didn't uh, do enough research into what it took to get into this industry. So I just said, ah, screw it. And uh, I got into university, Simon Fraser university. And I started um, uh, a, a degree or a major, I should say in criminology. Uh, and that's kind of what my sister was doing. She's a criminal lawyer. And so I was just kind of following in her footsteps, but it wasn't until like mid university where I decided, Hey, listen, I'm going to give this thing a try because, um, you know, I knew I had a passion for it. Uh, it wasn't until like mid university where I really decided to take a stand and, you know, take control uh, of my life. And then when did you kind of just shift completely away from criminology or law and then said, you know, this is what I wanted to do full time, because I know you've talked about the whole, like, when you when you give advice to students, you often tell them, you know, you have to go all in. 
Yeah. And so when was that time for you? Yeah. So it was about second year university. And again, I enjoyed criminology. I thought it was really interesting, um, but I didn't love it. And mm. um, it, it was still bugging me. I mean, I, I didn't uh, pursue broadcasting or at least look into it. Um, again, sports was still such a big part of my life. Uh, and again, I'd watch this guy, Don Taylor, and I'm always like, man, I can, mm-hmm. I can do what Don does. And um, <laughs> not as good as him because he's really good at that. This guy's a, a legend in Vancouver. But, you know, it, he was um, he was a motivational factor for me anyway. So I I finally took it upon myself to, to do the work. And it was uncomfortable mm-hmm. because, um, you know, you, you're kind of doing this on your own. I didn't tell anybody. Uh, and what I did was I started doing these like informational interviews, basically, where I would uh, cold call and email and uh, try to get in touch with people across the country in Canada who were really successful. And I did about uh, roughly 20 to 25 of those. And I kind of got an idea of what it takes or what it took uh, to, you know, maybe be successful. Um, and for me, success meant being uh, in a big market, so like Vancouver, or Toronto, or a national network. Um, so, kind of got an idea that um, you know, I'd be, I'm, I was that guy who was like, people don't do this anymore, but like, I would read people's bios, you know, I mean, on, on mm-hmm. the internet and stuff, and go to like different news websites and stuff like that. So, just to get an idea again of how people got to where uh, they were, and then from there, I had to have the conversation with my parents because again, they think it's all good. And, criminology and I'm happy and whatever right um and so I have this conversation with and it was difficult it was like probably one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had because I had to tell them I wanted to to make this drastic career change um and um again this is a an industry that they don't know much about right and I don't know much about to be to be honest with you I mean I had some answers um but I didn't have all the answers and so we, we walked through it. And I think one of the things that kind of convinced them to uh, support the change was um, when they had questions for me, I had some of those answers because I had done the work. And I think they had realized that, listen, this, this kid's passionate. I haven't seen this kid be passionate about anything, really. Um, and so to <laughs> see that he, uh, he went out and did all this work prior to – I, like, I had these answers. I could answer them. Um, you know, Some of them I was kind of fudging a little bit, but most of them I kind of you know went – along with what um, people had told me. Um, and then we came up with a plan together. And again, it was uncomfortable. Again, they just didn't understand. And I look back on it now, and I'm, I'm a father of two and um, two kids, and I want mm. the best for my kids too. And I want them to put themselves in a great situation. So um, I kind of understand looking back on it now. But um, at the time, you know, my parents, we, we came up with a, a solution where it was like, okay, uh, let's look into uh, broadcast schools. Uh, we decided that I was going to finish my degree. I could switch my major, minor at Simon Fraser, but I, I also wanted to finish my degree too to have something back to fall on uh, in case this didn't work out. And basically, I gave myself a five-year plan. And from speaking to all these people, it, it, it seemed realistic to me that in five years, I could get to a big market. And if I didn't do it, if I wasn't successful in that five years, then I would go back and apply for law school. And that was kind of the, the deal I made with my parents. And from there, that's what I did. I switched my major and minor and did a, a major in communication and did a minor in criminology. Uh, major in communication didn't help me out at all, but it was just uh, <laughs> uh, something I did. Uh, and, and at the same time, I would volunteer uh, and kind of intern at different uh, 
uh, TV stations. And uh, I did a, a sports broadcasting course at, at BCIT, which eventually was a school, uh, the British Columbia Institute of Technology, which is eventually the school I went to, which is, has a really great program in Canada. Uh, but I did a sports broadcasting class while I was at SFU still just to see if this is something I can do. And like, you know, it, the class went really well and I felt really good about it. So um, that's kind of when I made that change. And then from there, I went to BCIT and, and um, uh, got on the path. But like, it was a lot of hard work while I was at Simon Fraser. So again, like those internships where I was like pulling cables for people, doing research, doing a lot of kind grunt of grunt work. work. Yeah, a lot of grunt work. But you know what? It, it was... It was a it was a good thing for me to do because it was a great sign. I, I was enjoying it. Like I was actually like looking back on it, it sounds crazy, but I loved pulling cables and I loved uh, doing research for different people and, and different hosts. And I was just so enamored by the whole thing. And so it was a good sign for me that listen, this is something I really want to do. It's something I'm really passionate about. And I don't mind putting in the time. Whereas, you know. Um, seeing what my sister was doing as a criminal lawyer and the, the, work, the work she was putting in outside of work. I don't know if I could have done that because I just wasn't that passionate about it. Hmm. Interesting. So it seems like your parents came over pretty quickly, unlike most South Asian parents, which are still very hesitant to kind of give that five-year mark. Would you say so? I mean, I, I would say in the moment, no, they weren't really happy. Um, but uh, again, I understand now. And I understand, again, where they're coming from. Like, I, I think if I didn't have, if I didn't do that research, and I didn't have some of the answers, I don't know what they would have said, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it was a really tough conversation because it almost felt like you're disappointing them mm-hmm. um, and throwing them, you know, for a huge curveball. And that's exactly what it was, especially at that time, because there just wasn't that much representation, like, you know, for them just to simply visually see um you know and it's it's not all about color and about minority in your community but it kind of is right like we go on what we know um and so um i think for them again they were kind of hesitant but they they knew i was passionate about it so they went along with it and then it's funny because as soon as i got into to the program which was i think two years later after uh Yes, and I was mid-second year. So yeah, about two years later, I got into the BCIT program after I finished my degree. Um, you know, then they became like my biggest fans. Once they saw me on, we had this like local cable show um, at our broadcast school. And the first time I was on that show, you should have seen them. Like they're super proud. And like, I mean, it's some hmm. low-end cable show that maybe 100 people might have seen. <laughs> and, you know, 85 of them are uh, at our school. And so um, even I'll give you a better example. My first job was in, uh, Prince George, British Columbia, which is northern BC. It's a town of like 75,000 people. And I was a news reporter there. And um, they used to uh, PVR or DVR um, all my news stories. And I didn't know this. And so every time I go back home, I, you know, I'd still have stuff set on the PVR for me. And I'd come back home and I'd see all these like CKPG, which is the name of the station I was at. And I was like, what? what is all this, right? And it was just all my stories that they could save. And they were showing it to all like the aunts and uncles and all these. And I was like, mom, what are you doing? And they're like, no, we want to show everybody. I'm like, you're not showing anybody. Delete all of this right now. And so <laughs> it's funny. It's like they went from like, you know, being unsure of it to being kind of my biggest fans. They've been like that ever since. Even those days where I have like terrible shows. And, um, like, oh, you were great last night. Or I really enjoyed this. Or even my parents, like we didn't grow up in like a sports household. 
as far as like uh, their concern, like they, they weren't big sports people, but um, you know, they'll try to talk sports with me. <laughs> so it's kind of funny to, to have these conversations now later in life, but uh, no, they definitely came around. That's for sure. What about the community at large? Did they, how was the reaction initially? You're close to the family or your yeah. friends? and Yeah. You know, it was surprising. It was, uh, I'm not going to lie. It was uh, disappointing uh, at times um, within that community. Uh, and, and I think, again, it was just such, it was the unknown, like looking back on it, um, there's just nobody doing it really. We had, you know, one prominent Ismaili who's doing it. Ismaili was open. Um, you know, he, he was doing really well. Uh, and he's a guy that everybody knew. But who besides uh, Farhan Lalji at TSN, who ended up being a colleague of mine at TSN when I was at TSN in Vancouver. Mm. Uh, he worked out of Vancouver. Uh, but yeah, he was the one everyone knew. And um, I think even again, when I, when I decided to do it, even some of my good friends were like, so what do you, you want to be on like TV? And so, like, um, you know, there were people who were trying to convince me, even after I got into the program, to switch and go into business. Um, you know, and, and people who were kind of inner circle, if you want, you want to put it that way. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was disappointing. But you know what? At the same time, um, I think uh, that was a great motivation for me. Um, and it sounds petty, but um, to prove people wrong was a huge internal motivation for me, uh, especially for my first couple jobs, because I really wanted to make it then. And there were days where my first two jobs, um, there were some tough days, man. There were some ugly mm. days, there were some real bad days. Um, but at the same time, I think, again, that internal motivation is what allowed me to kind of continue on, because um, I, I actually, this, is, this sounds so corny, but I, I wrote down that five-year plan on a piece of paper. Um, and I put it in my wallet. And so that thing was with me until I got to Toronto, basically, uh, which was so it was in my wallet for the two years of school and then two jobs, about four years. And um, I would look at that thing every so often just as a reminder of why I'm doing this um, and the sacrifices I had made uh, and what my goals were and what my plan was. And it's easy to get lost in the moment, right? Like we all have struggles and I'm sure you do. I'm sure other people who are really successful have had it. Uh, and I went through a lot of that. And um, I think looking back at that piece of paper, which again, sounds super corny today, uh, but goal setting is so important. That's the way I do it. It's just to write it down. Um, I think that helped me out. And again, the internal motivation of the people who were laughing at snickering, I wouldn't say laughing, but like snickering at you or making these snide comments or, or doubting you. Um, people you thought would be in your corner. I think that was a huge motivation for me and something um, I'm not almost glad happened. Uh, mm. And uh, kind of kept me on my toes a little bit. But uh, again, after I kind of got into it, people saw you doing it. It almost legitimized it a little bit, the industry for us, uh, um, for you know, the people around you. And then mm-hmm. as soon as I, you know, kind of made it bigger, um, I, th- I think, you know, the support, uh, I mean, as you can imagine, has been incredible. And even the support of our like entire community. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm talking like minority community, even online. And uh, this goes past, you know, being the smiley. Most of this is just, you know, just general minority. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, people reach out to me all the time just to say, Hey, you know, I, I watch you on TV and, um, you know, you're a huge motivation to me or, you know, inspiration. And 
it's kind of, it's weird. It's weird in a way. Cause you never think of yourself like that. Well, I don't <laughs> think of myself like that. I, I never really do. I answer all. I know what you mean. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, you know, when you reflect back on it on something like this, it's kind of cool to know that you've inspired somebody, right? If you do that for mm-hmm. one person in your life, that's, that's a pretty good number, I think. So, um, it, it definitely has shifted the, the, the view and perception of my career for sure. Many people, especially those that are getting started in their careers, encounter something called the imposter syndrome. You know, after you get some opportunities, they might feel they're not skilled enough or talented enough yeah. to do them. Did you feel that? I've never been ready for any one of my jobs that I've got. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 100% serious. Like, after I got out of school, uh, my plan was to get on air. And that's kind of, again, from going back to those information interviews, there's two ways to do it. And one was to get on air in a small market, make your mistakes, and you can shoot up a little bit faster. Whereas it could have stayed in Vancouver, uh, which is a perfectly fine plan too, and kind of work your way up, you know, writing or doing teleprompter or whatever, kind of waiting for your break. Uh, I decided to go the route that I think most people have told me was try to get on air right away. I didn't get a job. I think I applied for, I think it was 25 or 26 jobs. I got three callbacks. Uh, and uh, one of them wasn't even serious. It was just a terrible job. Uh, but I got this one job and it took me, we graduated in May and I didn't get my job till I think it was October, mid-October. So that was a long summer, man. That was a long summer and a lot of doubt. And then when I did get that job, and the only reason I got that job was one of my classmates was actually already working there. And it, uh, put a good word in for me. So that's the reason I got that job. Definitely was not ready for news. You know, I was, I was focused so, on, so much on sports that going there to do news was completely different to me. The next job mm-hmm. I go after that, I, I get into a little bit of anchoring, which um, I had I'd never anchored before. <laughs> I'd never done any anchoring before. Um, and I had to do some editing, which I wasn't, I, that's not the job I thought I was getting. And then when I actually caught my big break in Toronto, Again, like I, I just got put in different situations where I was never ready. However, I think you never say no to an opportunity. I mean, right. in reason, that's something I always tell people. And, I, and I've had a few, a few colleagues and friends who are kind of came up after me and, and they would say, Hey, like I got this opportunity. I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm like, no, dude, you're ready. Just go for it. Put yourself in that position. I'll, I'll give you my position right now at ESPN. I mean, um, I took a leap of faith coming here. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I think I'm qualified enough to be here, but at the same time, you never know, right? Like ESPN's ESPN, and so um, coming down here, it was a leap of faith and just believing in yourself. And yes, there is imposter syndrome, but like at the same time, um, I think if you know you put in the work, uh, you can put yourself in a position where you are allowed to grow. And usually, if you're putting yourself in a situation where there's good people around you, you're going to be able to grow. Like everyone's so good here that even if I'm not at their level yet, when I do work with an anchor that's been, you know, anchor for ten years, they bring you up. You know, that kind of example. So, um, I I think people who shy away from opportunities because they're not ready, I think it's a big mistake because you never know if you're going to get that because somebody else is waiting. Right. Somebody else is waiting for that opportunity. They're going to take Absolutely. it. So I think if someone sees I, the best way to put it is I've always been hired on potential. That's probably the best mm. way to put it. I've always been hired on potential, not because I've been ready or I was maybe the best candidate. It's always been on potential. And I think that's something uh, I think you should keep in mind for any, any job or any industry, because um, again, those opportunities don't always come and if you pass up on it. Eh, 
uh, you know, it, again, that, that might be your, your only one. Was it tough juggling those smaller roles before TSN and CBC? Yeah, I mean, uh, so my first job, again, was in Prince George, BC, and I was a news reporter. So I was a, a news reporter. I did TV for three days and radio for two days. I was really shitty at radio. Um, and this was just like news updates, like literally like your two-minute news updates every hour. Um, and it was just like weekend. You got to be there at 3.30 in the morning or something crazy like that. And um, I just wasn't good at it. And I didn't have much confidence in myself at the time. Um, and for the TV news part of it, I, I think, again, it was a blessing in disguise looking back to do news uh, because I think when you do news, you learn how to really construct a story, whereas sports stories kind of, depending on what you're watching, if you're watching like local news and a sports story, you can kind of plaster it together. It's pretty easy. But when you're doing a news story, you kind of really learn how to become a journalist. And so I was lucky to have done that. Um, it was a ton of work. It was crazy hours. The amount of work you're doing for the amount you're getting paid, which is, it's, it's pretty fun. Mm -hmm. It's pretty comical looking back on it now. But at the same time, um, if I wasn't able to go there, make some mistakes, you know, uh, work on the craft, I don't think I would be here today because um, that was a lot of good reps. And then the next job, I, I was there for about eight months. And then for the next job, I went to Winnipeg. Uh, Manitoba, Canada, and um, and from there I went for a job I thought I was getting, and it was something completely different. And yeah, I did get the opportunity to anchor once in a while, but when you're anchoring once every like three weeks, and then you know three times within a week, and then again you're not anchoring for another month, it's like it's difficult. Like you need the reps, and so those first two jobs, I mean, I was lucky to meet some great people in Winnipeg. I had a great support system, and I made you know friends that I have friends for life now. Uh, but if I didn't have those people, man, I don't even know if I would have made it. And hmm. there were a lot of days where I was like, this is not what I came for. It's not progressing the way I wanted to. Um, I, I think the one thing I've always done and the one thing that really helped me down there in Winnipeg was um, I continued to have that mentality of what's next, right? So I wasn't going to settle. And I guess, and the mentality also, again, when I was coming up was like, oh, you you would hear this from news directors. You would hear this from people in the industry. You need to spend two or three years here at least. No, <laughs> that was never my mentality. I'm not going to spend two or three years here because I know I have a bigger plan and I had that five-year plan. And part of my five-year plan was not to spend three years in Prince George or four years in Prince George. Um, and so what I would do, again, the first job I had was a, it was a maternity leave position anyways. So I was going to be out of there in nine months. But my second job, I mean, I was making a demo. Uh, I think it was two months in. So I would go at night uh, after the last show was done. We used to work out of these global TV studios. And I would go in and I would cut my own demo. And at that time, we didn't have like, you couldn't do your demo on your like your Mac or whatever. You had to do it like for these actual beta tapes and stuff. So I needed their machines. And um, I would go in and I'd spend two hours and cut, cut new reels, right? And then I would send it out to all these different people um, in the industry throughout Canada and I wasn't asking for a job. I was just introducing myself to them. And I think that's uh, a big key as far as networking is concerned, especially in our industry. Like there's too many people even who like message me thinking I can get them a job, which is just ridiculous because I, <laughs> I have no say <laughs> whatsoever. Um, but, uh, you know, sending it out to people who make decisions. And I think that's key in any industry, you know, find the decision makers and introduce yourself. And that's what I would do. And I would introduce myself. I'm so-and-so. I work here. I love 
for some feedback. If you just give me some feedback on, you know, what you think I could do better or how I could maybe get to a TSM movie or whatever the place was I was emailing. Um, and it worked out really well for me in that sense. And I think that was, um, that was something that was, it was, again, it kind of got me going again. It kind of re-energized me when I'd see my new tapes and, and, you know, I put this five minute demo together and say, okay, I feel good about this. Yeah, the last two weeks haven't been great at work, but I feel good about this. And then that kind of re-energized me to hear feedback from different people thinking, hey, you know what? You do have potential. You are better than maybe what, um, you know, what's being said about your current situation. So I think that was really important for me. And, and uh, you know, I was out of Winnipeg, I think, in like nine months. So um, it's, uh, it, again, it was a difficult time as far as building up your confidence, um, balancing the workload balancing you know the change of life right like you, you left your parents you left your your family girlfriend your friends whatever your whole situation sports everything um and now mm-hmm. you're kind of in this different world where you're just not used to the same kind of culture um but at the same time i think again staying focused as far as my five-year plan uh and doing little things like networking really helped me um you know get out of that rut. Besides skill, what do you feel are some of the biggest challenges new and upcoming sports commentators currently face in America or Canada? Uh, as far as current... I mean, if I look at the diversity landscape, which is something you kind of struggled with, do you see like the sports commentary landscape changing to be more diverse? Do you see um, organizations taking action to expand the diversity of sports commentators? Yeah. I'm kind of looking at the whole landscape of what are some of the challenges the industry in general is kind of facing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the landscape is a complete 180 from when I started. Um, there is no longer, I had somebody email me a little while ago, like in this last year, and he was complaining about diversity. And I said, dude, you, you can't fill this card out. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like he, he was in, he's in Toronto. And if you go into Toronto and you look at like the local scene in Toronto, uh, it is the most diverse landscape possible. Um, so I'm like, you, you can't throw this out. I'm sorry. Like that's, you know, there, there might be other reasons you're not getting jobs, but that this is not one of them. And so I think, I mean, I can speak to Canada better. I can speak to the United States just because I, I only know ESPN and ESPN is very diverse. Uh, it's been a pleasant surprise to me. I didn't know how diverse it was until I got here and that's been amazing. Um, but as far as Canada is concerned, yeah, it's changed so much. Like I've been in the industry for 10 years and, um, from when I started to now, like there's just all over the country, like, and I'm not just talking about big cities, I'm talking about small cities. And then so many of these people I've interacted with over the years now, it's really cool to see that we have a, stronger footprint in the industry um you know i'll give you an example like we have a lot of broadcasters that are emceeing events in our communities now and we, that's what we're looked upon to do all the time and uh, i i think it's it's neat to be recognized uh to see that hey now you know if, if there's a young kid coming up broadcasting is actually a realistic option right if that's something they want to do um whereas again 10 years ago or 12 years ago it really wasn't so um i, I do think in canada especially There are way more minorities across the board, just generally. Uh, and you'll see that reflect, especially in the big markets. Um, and again, in, in the United States, I don't know the market as well, but uh, I do know I can speak for ESPN. Uh, in my time at ESPN, it's it's been incredible as far as you just seeing, you know, a wave of different people here. And um, 
and that just adds to, to, to your product, right? Because you reach so many more people, um, you know, right. different personalities, attract different people. It's great. It's, it's been incredible. And I think, um, you know, I, not that I didn't think it was going to be diverse, but I didn't realize it was this diverse, which again, has been uh, a real pleasant surprise for me. How do you think the expansion of social media has played out, especially now versus when you were getting started a decade ago? Oh, it's huge. It's huge, man. It's um, if you're not on social media and you're not active, it's a problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the best on social media, so um, I've kind of been behind the curve in that sense. But um, no, it's it's a big part of our job. And like, listen, if I could dedicate a lot more time to it, but I would never talk to my kids. I would never spend any time with my kids, and that's not an excuse. Um, it's just that it it takes a lot of your time up and. Um, again, digital platforms have become so big now too, right? So, um, you know, we have ESPN plus and we have Twitter shows and we have different things, you know, um, we're on this other platform called Quibi. Now we have a show on Quibi that we do for ESPN. So, uh, I think social media and the influence you can have, it, it is very important. And so like the latest thing now is TikTok and everyone's jumping on TikTok and I was like, should I do TikTok? Right. And I was like, man. <laughs> Oh, it's just a stress for me. I'm not going to lie. It's a stress for me. But, um, you know, I think Twitter is a great resource for news. If you can filter out all the nonsense uh, and all the hate, there's a lot of hate on Twitter, which is just, it's unfortunate. But uh, there are days where it's it's a pretty great news resource. If you're not on Twitter, you're, you're missing out on a lot of news that's happening in the moment. I think in our industry, everything happens in the moment now, right? Like you're not waiting to upload something on the website. You know, you're getting it out on Twitter right away. Um, mm. You know, you do, I, I think there's a rush to be first in a lot of things, but you know, depending on the news and, and, and you know, the severity of the news, I think you you weigh that out. But at the same time, um, you know, you want to be pr- pretty swift with it, right? And I think that's what Twitter is for, and Instagram has become another platform that's just so important for us for entertainment. And uh, you know, it's a different type of platform. Who knows? There's all these other things too, but again, like I said, yeah. um, it's probably not my forte. But no, I, I think you have to be you have to be active on it, and you have to um, have a good understanding of it. I think, especially at this level, like there's just it, it's just so influential, and there's also other business opportunities that come along with uh, you know having big accounts. Speaking of what you said about everybody wanting to kind of get the news as soon as possible and kind of like the inside scoop in some sense. I want to talk about networking. How big do you think networking has played in your industry? And really what advice would you give to those who are interested in pursuing, you know, broadcasting or sports commentary to really get started with their networking and get their foot in the door? Yeah. I mean, I kind of touched upon it. it, it I think it's um, networking has you know been like 50, 50 to 60 percent. Uh, mm-hmm. success in my career because um, every job that I've got has basically been from networking. Um, and so I, I started early on. Like I, I think uh, I talked to students again today. And if you're a student out there who's listening to this, like don't wait until you get your first job to start networking. Do it from now. Do it from when you're, you know, when you're 21, 22, uh, if you're in school or what, whatever age you are. I think it was really important for me to get out there and get my name out there and I think again the key for me was never asking for a job I can't remember who gave me that advice or if I came upon that myself I'm not 100% sure I don't remember anymore but 
it's, What's the advice? It's, yeah, it is, is to not ask for a job when you're networking. There's too many people who, who reach out to you literally asking you for a job, saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, here's my resume, uh, do you have any openings? Well, well, we didn't post anything. We don't have any openings, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it can be, and imagine you being the news director or the, the HR manager and just getting these random notes all the time. Just, just mm-hmm. put yourself in that position, right? Whereas if you take a different approach to it, I, I still think you should reach out to them. I just think the different approach is, hey, I'm so-and-so. Uh, this is my demo. This is my work. Can I get some feedback? I would. Lo- I really respect, you know, your organization. I respect, you know, if you know the person, I respect the job that you do. Um, you know, do, do some research. Don't send me a generic note. You know, I, I get all these generic notes from people. And it's like, hi. And it's like just like a spam email. Um, if you're going to email me, I mean, make it sort of personal, right? Um, and, and I think so that was one of the things I kind of uh, picked up right away. And, and you could see people were responding to it a lot better. Um, then when I first started, I was sending out those generic notes. I was one of those guys. I was just sending it to a bunch of people. And I wasn't getting any responses. And then when I started to look into the, okay, this is CTV, you know, Halifax, or this is, you know, uh, CBC, uh, Calgary. Okay. Let me, let me, let me look something up about them. Right? I don't live in that city, but let me look something up and let me, let me tailor it to that person. Uh, and that's what I started to do. And I, and I think it was really important because listen, a lot of people want to help. And I think, at the same time, if you frame it the right way, you know, one thing I always used to do too is I always used to send people notes, people who were really uh, responding to me. I would send them notes on Christmas. I would send them notes on New Year's. I would send them notes on different Thanksgiving. What are all these different, or even just once in a while, a random note. And again, that was not asking for anything. I wasn't sending them anything. I was just literally saying, hey, hope you and your family have a great holiday season. All the best to you, you know, uh, chat in the New Year kind of thing, whatever it is, right? Again, Sounds so simple. Sounds like something that doesn't really affect uh, anybody. Like it seems just like a random note, like just has no um, intention to it. But at the same time, that's how you develop a relationship. Networking is about developing relationships. Uh, And when you were always sending people stuff, uh, when you were always asking for something, um, that's not a real relationship, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and so it gets quite... Um, annoying is probably not the right word, but I would say it's kind of annoying. I, I used to, and I used to talk at a guy uh, with one of the HR guys at CBC who's the guy who ended up hiring me. Uh, and he's one of the people that told me this exact same thing. He's like, when you emailed me years ago, and I had been in touch with him for a couple of years, um, this is the approach you took. And I appreciated that approach. He goes, this is the approach other people take, which is kind of what I'm telling you right now. Uh, so that solidified you know, my thinking on this is that you have to approach it like a relationship, uh, not like a transaction. Because if you're always asking for something, you're always asking for something, uh, eventually, uh, eventually that gets tired, you know? And so uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think it's important to really try to develop that networking relationship because um, you, you need to. Like, if you want a job at ESPN, if you want a job at TSN in Canada, if you want a job at Sportsnet in Canada, if you want a job maybe at one of the bigger networks here in, in the States, um, they're not posting these jobs on the internet, right? Like right. We, have, we have headhunters. We have uh, you know talent departments in Canada. It's a little bit smaller, but they'll have like a VP of uh, talent. They'll kind of look around and uh, VP of news maybe. And so um, you want to get your name out there. You want people to see you, even if you're in a small market. You want people to see you. So I think it's really important to network 
uh, if you're just going on um, your talent alone, there's a ton of talented people. Trust me. There's people who are way more talented than I am. I know that. Um, and um, they may, may never get here because uh, either they haven't networked or met the right people. A lot of it is luck. Don't get me wrong. A lot of it is luck. But you put yourself in positions of, uh, to be lucky you know, at times. So I, I think, again, just, just getting out, networking early, finding people who are decision makers, and trying to build that relationship is really key. That, I think that's really good advice, Nabil. I think for most people, I think, like you said, 99% of the people take the opposite approach to networking. And, and can I add something? I'll add something too. Like it, it, there's, there's a certain level of, um, I think, respect that you need to, in a sense, where um, I got this advice from a general manager, an NHL general manager one day, who uh, called me over and he was like, hey, listen, um, this was, he was like, you haven't reached out to me yet. You're new on the scene here. Why haven't you reached out to me? And, I, and I, again, I was intimidated at the time. And I was like, oh, I don't know. He's like, listen, he's like, reach out to me. Uh, I'm going to probably tell you, meet me at 6 a.m. for a coffee in my office. But he's like, you better fucking be there at 6 a.m. with a coffee for me too. You work on my time, but you better be there at that time. And we'll sit down and we'll talk. And, and that's how we'll develop this relationship. And that always kind of like stuck with me. I was like, man, like, that's really important. And, and I think again, too, I talked to, and, I, and I'm just going back because you're talking about students and advice. Like yeah. there's some, some people, man, um, most people are great and, and really respectful, but I think there are some people again, who take for granted that you're asking for the help. You know what I mean? Like I had one kid. So again, in the last year who wanted to speak to me, uh, really frustrated. Uh, and again, he had sent me a great note. A very personal note. I used to watch you, and you're one of the. I'm like, okay, amazing, great note. And even if you didn't, you didn't have to. You don't have to compliment me, but the fact that he took the time to send me this note, I was like, for sure. I'm like, let's talk on the phone. So I give him a time that works for me because my schedule is kind of crazy, and you know this because you you've had to do the same thing for me. Um, sure. But at the same time, he's like, I give him a time. It's like nine at night or something like that. I'm like, hey, you know, this is the time I have that's really works well for me. I can do a proper phone call with you. And the guy tells me, he's like, oh, I don't know what's going to work for me. He goes, you know, I, I'm a goalie for this hockey team. Um, yeah. It's like a beer league team, I guess. And, you know, it's really hard for us to get a sub. So I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> what do you yeah. want me to say? You, what, would you like me to work? So he's giving me a, can you do this day? And said, I'm like, no, man. I'm like, I have this day at night. If you can make it, that's, that's great. And then he sends me a huge text chain of like, okay, let me see if I can get a sub. And he's like, oh, it's really difficult to get a sub. I'm like, dude, I don't, I honestly don't care. <laughs> like if you, right. if you can't, uh, you know, if you don't have the, enough respect for my time, because yeah, I understand you have a commitment yourself. Uh, but remember what, you know, what the positioning is here. And I, I kind of just take myself and I look back at what I was doing when I was, um, you know, in school and I was so focused. And, and again, I'm not saying I had the right approach completely. I'm just saying, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Like if you're asking for the help, you're asking for the advice, you want some of that insight, work around their time. That's what that general manager told me. You work around my time. You come at 6 a.m., be there at 6 a.m. And I think there's just too many people. I've had too many examples of that recently where I'm like, I cannot believe like this person. And, and you know, I, I still went through that. I, I made sure to accommodate the person for the call. But at the same time, that kind of told me something about them too. And, and when I had some of the reasoning and I, and I told this person, I said, listen, um, this was the case. And I, that can't happen. Like I'm still on the phone with you, but 
other people might not be, you know? So I think, you know, again, when you're networking, it's, it's really, really important to like be focused on point and also at the same time, understand who you're asking, what you're asking and just work around their schedule. No, I think it's about meeting people, you know, meeting them where they're at. And just to give my own personal example, one of the mentors, you know, I really look up to, um, and I had asked him for some time because I was in town and the only time he had available was uh, at a baseball game for his son, right? And I made time to just go and uh, talk to him during that because at this time it was completely free, right? And we got to spend an hour or two together that he would never have, you know, otherwise. And so I do recommend what you just said is you kind of, uh, you, you make time because it's important to you and then you work around everything else. Yeah, and you have to make sacrifices, man. Like, I mean, um, I, I think if you really want something, you have to sacrifice something else. You can't have everything. Like, um, especially in this industry, if you want to come to this industry, you're going to be working nights. You're going to be working weekends. Uh, I've missed so many fun events, social events, things I wanted to be part of, trips I wanted to go on because of work. And it sucks. It sucks at times when you have to tell people, um, I can't make it or, you know, a good friend or fan, whatever. It, it sucks at that time. But for me, it's always been like, it's worth it because I'm doing what I love and I'm, and I'm lucky enough to be doing what I'm doing. Uh, whereas I think other people, if they don't have that right mentality, they think they can have it all. If you can work it, if you can work it out and have it all, that's unbelievable. <laughs> More power to you. But <laughs> I haven't met anybody uh, in this industry yet. And I'm talking about people even here at ESPN who have not sacrificed. So um, I, I just think it's, I think it's interesting, the mentality. And I'm not trying to like harp on, on young kids today. It's just, I sound like an old guy doing that. But um, I, I just think that uh, you, you really have to just take a step back. Do I really want this? If I really want this, okay, these are the things I have to do. And that means sacrificing some stuff. I used to play in leagues, hockey leagues, basketball leagues. I used to have all these great social interaction. That's going to die down for me completely. And that started pretty early for me, but I was okay with that because I knew I had a goal in mind. What's your next step? I know you have this new show you started. Uh, are there other dreams or goals you're kind of hoping to accomplish in the next five years? Yeah, you know, I think for me, um, I always talk to people about goal setting. Um, I, I think goal setting is really important. Like I talked about that five year plan. Um, you know, I've got to set my new five year plan. And I think. I kind of gave myself a short-term goal this past year. It's going to be one year for me at ESPN at the end of the month, uh, which is kind of crazy to think for me anyways. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, the first year for me, I had a short-term goal of just really fitting in and, and making this a smooth transition because I moved from within the country in Canada a bunch of times, but I had never moved countries, you know, and um, having two kids uh, you know, my wife having it was a huge sacrifice for the entire family. So I really wanted this to work and work well. And again, I was taking a huge leap of faith, um, kind of spoke this into existence myself. Um, mm. And uh, I think um, that was my goal, my short term goal. And that, that's worked out. It's, everything's gone really well. So now it's reassessing and what's, you know, the five year plan going to be. I'm, I'm lucky. I'm at a spot here where there's opportunity for growth. And it's cool because, um, yes, the, the landscape's different right now with what's going on in the world. But before that happened, you know, we're doing Sports Center, 
Uh, so you're on linear TV. Uh, and I think this is unique because I've been on linear TV with SportsCenter. Uh, I do a show on ESPN Plus. It's a hockey show called In the Crease. Uh, and then now we're on this new platform called Quibi. It's a new streaming service that just launched a couple of weeks ago. And we do a show on there. So you're basically on three different platforms in the first year representing ESPN. So I think that's, for me, I look back and I'm like, that's a, that's a huge success for me that first year. Um, and so um, now it's like, okay, I want to continue. This, we're in this infancy stage with this new show and we want to get that show to be really good. Um, you know, when hopefully the world gets back to some kind of normal and, and then we can start sports again because sports is definitely secondary in the world right now. Uh, but when we do kind of get to some kind of normal, you know, get back to sports and just try to juggle that all and try to figure that out. Um, but as far as like a long-term goal, I don't really have anything specific besides kind of figuring my way up on ESPN because I'm, I'm at the spot where, you know, not many people get to and, and, and especially not many Canadians uh, get to. So um, take advantage while I'm here and as long as they'll have me and, and uh, you know, kind of see where, where this journey goes. The bill. This was really fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Canada Insights. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to subscribe or follow us on social media for updates on future episodes. If you've already subscribed, please leave us a rating or review. It does help new people find the podcast. I'm Sahil Badruddin, your host. And for a transcript of this interview and others, visit my website at sahilbadruddin.com.